Thank you, Kelly and Jen and Tom and Chad, for playing this morning. Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God, to love people, and to build disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area that walk in grace, who grow in faith, and then as a result, gather in groups to explore the way that God has gifted them, and then use those gifts generously in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God, love people, and as a result, walk in grace, grow in faith, gather in groups to explore their gifts and generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people, walk in grace, grow in faith, gather in groups, explore their gifts, and generously use those gifts to make disciples who love God and love people. I'll be done there. So we've worshipped this morning in a number of different ways. Just in in coming here and and prioritizing our time with one another, with the Lord, uh, that we would grow, that we would be an encouragement, is in itself an expression of our worship. We've also worshipped through singing, uh, singing songs about who God is and what He's done. We've worshipped just now through the giving of tithes and offerings, saying that we are blessed to bless. And and part of why why is this giving, kind of Scott talked about this earlier, what's so important about giving? Well, because it's it's really easy to consume, right? We're natural consumers, but sometimes it's a little bit more difficult for us to figure out ways to give, to take what we've been given and then use that to bless others. And and so we do this in a number of different ways through giving of, of our money, through giving of our time giving of kind of our talents and our abilities. And I would say that if, if you want to know what I'm really passionate about and, and kind of the way that I check myself is I look at my bank statement and my calendar. And I go, okay, what am I, am I, if, I, if I believe that, that Jesus is who he says he is, does my calendar reflect that? The way that I spend my time throughout my day. And then if I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and I believe that he's called me to do something specific, is that reflected in the way that I spend my money? and the way that I give. So we've also worshipped through, uh, uh, we will worship in a little bit through the preaching of, of the Word, but before we do that, we're going to worship through communion. And so communion is a sacred meal that's celebrated by Christian churches throughout the world, all over the planet today and throughout time. So, in, And this is something that we'll continue to do on into the future and that we've done since Jesus was walking the earth. We celebrate this meal and, and kind of like that, that new song that Kelly introduced to us talking about, about the unity. And it, it reminds us that though we may have different doctrinal opinions on how things are expressed and believed and articulated, at the end of the day, it is Jesus and His resurrection and His power that bind us together and that unite us. And so we celebrate today and we send this message to the world around that says, yeah, we might not all get along. We might not have the same opinion on everything but we all come to the same table. And this is important, especially in the ancient Near Eastern times. There were people that, so if you shared a meal with one another, it wasn't just like, you know, we go to dinners sometimes and you sit across someone from the, that you don't even know, and then you go your different ways and you never think about them again. Well, in the ancient Near Eastern context, they didn't have uh, police like we have today. And so if you were to enter into someone's home, they were going to protect you. They were going to be for you. And they are going to help you. And so the, hospita- the idea of hospitality was much larger. And so when we come to the table here, we put aside 
some of our smaller differences for the sake of, of our binding and unifying force. And that's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our call to be disciples who make disciples. And so we celebrate here what's called open communion, which means that you don't need to be a member of communitas to, to come to the table. We just ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And if that's you, come on. And so we've got um, some gluten-free bread and some juice uh, on either side, out on the, to the left and to the right. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a little bit of time in silence. And when that's done, you can come on forward. And there's no rush. We're not looking at the time on this one. We've got enough other times during the week where we, where we rush and we have expectations. This is where we can begin to slow down. And this is where we can, we can take a breath. And so there, there's no hurry at all. And so we're going to ask a couple of questions. We're going to say, who is God the Father? And what has He done? Who is God the Son? And, and how did Jesus live His life? And, and how does my life reflect that? And then who is God the Holy Spirit and, and what is the Holy Spirit working, trying to do in and through me? And we think of what are some specific names and places, times and uh, names and faces, times and places that, that the Holy Spirit may be working in us or has been kind of stirring within us? How are we attentive to that and how might we respond to that? And I also look around and we see a lot of little people. As Scott said, we're so glad that you all are here. And so parents, we're going to leave that up to you as to decide whether or not uh, communion is an, is an appropriate expression uh, for your kids to take part in, in in this way. So I'm going to pray for us. We'll, we'll enter into some time of silence. We'll all listen together as, as one body. And then as you're ready, come on forward, grab the elements, bring them back to your seat. And then when everyone's gone through and, and grabbed the elements, I'll read some words from Scripture, and then we'll all partake of the meal together. And I cannot stress enough the importance of, of taking the time here. There's, there's literally no hurry. I will get you out at, at, for the noon game, I promise. So continue to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. And short as this fall is, we see the wonder of your creation and the beauty and the grandeur. And the fall leaves the rushing water. And Jesus, we see the way that you lived your life in service, sacrifice, and honor. We pray that that would inform the way that we live ours. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue to speak to us in this time. Help us to slow down and be able to hear you more clearly. Lord, we pray in this time that you would convict us of our sins. Pray that you would confirm in us those things that we have done well that we should continue to do. And Lord, give us specific names and faces and times and places where we could better convey the truth of who you are to the world around us. Such desperate need of your mercy. The last time that Jesus was together with his disciples. They share this meal, and, and he, and he doesn't give them a list, right? Now, hey, here, you know, last time we're all together, you're gonna go out, you gotta make disciples of, of the known universe. Here's a list of things to do. What does he do? He gives them an image. He gives them 
a story to remember, a dinner. He serves them, he washes their feet. That's always a person is always more powerful than a list. And as they're eating, he takes the bread and after he blesses it, he breaks it and he gives it to them and says, Take and eat. This is my body. And knowing that soon his, his body would break and his blood would pour out, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this covenant and for this forgiveness. We pray that it would inform the way that we live our lives and how we love and how we serve. Okay, at this time there are some blue buckets that are going to make their way around the room. Feel free to take your cups and pitch them in there and we will recycle them for you. And at this time, Katie Annan is going to come on up and read our scripture passage for the day. We're going to continue in Ephesians and uh, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read 1 through, si- uh, one through 4, uh, but we're just going to look specifically at 1 through 3. Uh, during the sermon, but just to kind of give the rest of that context, it helps us to read all four verses. So uh, if you have a paper Bible, feel free to take that out. Uh, flip to Ephesians. It's in the latter, latter part of the book, about seven-eighths of the way through. Uh, if you have a mobile device, feel free to take that out, tap, swipe, do whatever else it is you need to do to find the passage that way. If neither of those options are preferable or available to you, the words will be displayed on the screen behind us. So, Katie, whenever you're ready. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the way that it's been preserved and that we're able to read it, it's able to read us. So we pray that we'd continue to be convicted by it, that it would inform the way that we live. And Lord, we pray for the church around the world where they don't get to read it in their native language. They don't get to read it publicly. They don't have it in dozens of translations and in a myriad of different mediums. And so, Lord, we pray that we would take advantage uh, of the way that we have been blessed and how fortunate we are to have what we have. And we pray that we would use that for your benefit, for your glory. Amen. Okay, kids, at this time, you can head on out toward that door. Got some folks back there. Got a great lesson planned for you. And so we thank you for Tiff and Ellie and Heidi and Karen and Luke and Julie and Megan and Chris and Jason and for their service back there today. And Lord, we thank you for all of these kids. We know that it is not a second-class occupation to teach and disciple them, and we know that the Great Commission applies to all of us, whether we're a minute older or we're hundreds of years old. Amen. Does anyone live to hundreds of years in a while? I don't think so. Uh, so I was reading this story about a uh, this this last week. It's really sad. Um, this brother that mistreats his sister pretty horribly as uh, his half sister, 
And then as a result, the, uh, his, his half-brother like, waits like two years and then kills him. And then his, uh, a guy that his dad, that worked for his, his dad, like, ends up killing him later. And uh, I'm just like reading the story and just thinking like, when does this end? Like when when does this this sad story finally end? This continual you know back and forth exchange of atrocities. Um, but uh, yeah, so Ephesians. Let's let's get to that. I've got a quote here for you all. The children now live in luxury. They have bad manners contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. They contradict their parents, chatter before company, gobble up dainties at the table, cross their legs, and tyrannize their teachers. Kids, how do you like that one? Is that one fun? Um, I remember the first time I read this, uh, I was, I was 19, so it's been a little over a decade, at least that this has been around. And I remember reading that and I was like, man, like what kind of stuffy person wrote this? Does anyone want to take a guess at, at who wrote this or when it was written? Long time ago. It, Cause of the verbiage, right? Yeah. So we're probably thinking like, what do you think? Turn of, turn of last century? Yeah, okay. Um, this was actually written 400 years before Christ. <laughs> Socrates said this. So when we think about this, you know, so that's how, you know, it's been at least that long that this, this struggle of parents and kids, and what does this look like? And, and so kids that, that are still in here, today is not going to be bad dog the kids today, right? That's not, that's not what this message is at all. And this is just a, another example of, of, and this is why, you know, so, so Paul comes 400 years after Socrates dies, and he writes this letter to the Ephesians to talk to them about uh, different ways that the various relationships that we have in the world need to come under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And so often this, when, this, when this verse gets read, if you spend any time in church, um, so when I first read this, this verse when I was younger and a bit of a punk, um, the question came, well, like, how far? Like, how, how far? So I didn't have a great relationship with my parents during a fair bit of my formative years. And, and so it's like, I, I got to obey and honor. Like, what, is, what does honor honestly look like in, in this setting, right? And, and my parents are like, you know, they're, they're real keen on, on this verse. They're like, oh yeah, one through three, like, Mike, that's your life verse. That's you. That's obey your mom and dad. That's what you're supposed to do. And the interesting thing apart about this is, is so like Paul is going through, and if, and if he were here, he'd, he'd, you know, he would just address the kids and he'd say, kids, look at me. He'd say, obey 
your mom, and your dad. And you'd say, moms and dads, talk among yourselves. Don't listen to this part. And you say, kids, obey your moms and your dads. And then you look at the kids and you say, now, kids, I'm going I'm to address the moms and the dads. Talk amongst yourselves. And then you'd address the moms and the dads. And you'd say, don't exasperate your children. And so, so often when, when people would, would bring this up and they'd be like, well, you know, because you'd always get that, like, especially in my, my time with youth ministry, you'd get, you'd get folks that would come in and, you know, you'd get some parent who was trying to use the Bible as a pry bar to get their kid to, to obey. And I remember one time my dad, like, throwing this verse at me and then me throwing verse four back at him. And if you're ever in that kind of a conversation, like, the Holy Spirit is not at the center of that. Right? Like, craziness and sin is at the center of that. And you've already lost. Okay, so if, if you're using Scripture to like manipulate your children in that way, like you're not getting anywhere. That's not gospeling your children. That's not discipleship. That's manipulation. And so, so kids, we're going to talk this week a little about one through three, and and don't worry because next week we're going to talk just to the just to the parents, and that'll be fun too. But parents, we get. We get to see Jesus in every word of Scripture, and so we don't. This isn't permission to just check out for the next little bit. So, let's. What does it mean to to obey? Uh, to obey, the, it kind of brings up this word of of answer, and so it kind of brings a question. Well, like, isn't there a question? Is there something that that's going on? And so, and how do we answer? Like, respond? Like, open a door? Well, do you just open the door? Just to see what's going on? No, usually like someone knocks on the door before you open it, right? And so to obey, to answer, that's, that's this call. And so, look, kids, the call that you should be answering, hopefully, is that you should have parents that are trying to, to disciple you and, and woo you and show you the glory and the grandeur of, of who God is. And so that's, that's what we're hoping that you're answering. And then what does it look like to, to honor when we honor our, our parents, what does that look like? Well, as we said earlier, as Scott pointed out, we've been blessed to bless. And so to honor, when, when we love God and we love people, we show that honor and that manifold wisdom by, by recognizing worth and value. And we serve lovingly. That's what honor looks like. And that's whether it's a child to a parent, a parent to another parent, spouses, friends. This is what it looks like to honor, to show ultimate good and, and to have a, a priority. And so, and when we, when we do this, especially parents, one thing to remember is that um, when we parent, it's not our ability, it's God's ability. And kids... Um, one thing to remember is your parents don't have it all figured out, right? We, we're trying really hard, and we're trying to get it figured out, but we're not perfect either. And, and so there's going to be some, there, there might be some, some rifts and some rough times when you have two imperfect people kind of trying to figure out how to do life together. It doesn't always go super smoothly, Okay. Let's, let's continue to read this. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your, mother, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you 
and that you may live long in the land. Is anyone kind of confused about what the last part of that says? Does that make a lot of sense? You know, yeah, it's gonna like go well with me in the land. So in Paul's day, there was there was two things. So it's kind of it says Old Testament verbiage. So if you look in the Old Testament, the way that you knew that you were blessed was is these two words called property and progeny. And so what that was was that was land or like material things. So you had lots of camels, you had lots of acres, you had lots of donkeys, you had you know all this grain, you had all this stuff, and then you had a lot of kids. And if you had a lot of kids and a lot of land and a lot of grain and a lot of donkeys, that meant that life was good and the Lord really liked you. But how many of you know that that just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't mean that you're doing things that the Lord likes? And how many of you know that sometimes when you don't have anything, like you can still be right where the Lord wants you and that you're doing exactly what the Lord has called for you and He's using you despite what you have and despite your circumstances. Because remember where, like, where's, do you remember where Paul is when he's writing this? And what he has? He's in jail. Okay? If you're in jail, you have no property. None. What you are doesn't belong to you. And, he, and it, like, we're not really sure if, if Paul had kids or not or whatever, but So by the, by the usual standards, Paul's bankrupt. And he's saying, no, this isn't... He's like, there's a, there's a new economy. There's a new way that we look at value. There's a new way we look at worth, and that's based on, on Jesus, His death and His resurrection. And this kingdom. He's come to you that life and life to the full. And that life isn't contingent on what you have and what's in your house, but who you are, your forgiveness, and the walking in grace, and you're becoming who God has created you to be. And so what is it that Paul is, is trying to get across in here? Well, today this one's a pretty simple one. You only got three verses. Obey and honor. You've been blessed to bless, to love God and to love people, to make disciples display his manifold wisdom of God. And we start by doing that by loving our moms and our dads. And why is it important to do this? Why, I mean, why would Paul, in light of what we read about Socrates, I mean, and you know, for a long time this has been kind of back and forth, why does Paul reiterate this? Why does he remind us this? Well, because it counteracts and contradicts our natural disposition, right? I don't think I was the only one that grew up not super pleased all the time with what my mom and dad were telling me to do. Right? And some of that, you know, was maybe just growth, but a fair bit of that was sin. A fair bit of that was me saying, no, I, I know what's good for me, and you don't. And if we remember, that's kind of what got our first father and mother in, in trouble back in the garden, right? But when we begin to obey and we begin to honor that starts to help us see what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God, live in the way that the Lord would have us live. And we begin to say no. Or we stop saying no to what's good and we start saying yes to what's good. Like, who here would rather, when you get done with, like, if you're going to sit down to dinner, kids especially, right? Who would rather have, like, a plate of ice cream instead of any kind of vegetable? Or cookies if you're not into ice cream. I know that there are some of those people out here, like, 
Like, I know that I would way, like, adults, yeah, you can raise your hand about this too. Like, if, if, if left to my own devices, I would rather just eat ice cream. But I know, and I've learned, that, that vegetables are, you know, kind of beneficial. And so kids, kind of what's, like, I mean, just to, to reiterate what Scott was saying, man, when you, when we do these things, when, you know, kids, when we, when we serve, when we love, when we honor, when we obey. We show the world a different way of living. We show the world a different value system. We begin to show that, no, it's not about my will, but it's about the Lord's will. And, and that, that takes a lot of courage. And that takes some gumption and some grit. And, and it also comes from understanding that who you are. Has any, any of you kids ever heard the, the word image of God, that phrase? Have you ever heard the word, you've been made in the image of God? You heard me say that? Do you remember that? That includes you. And it doesn't matter if you're this big or you're this big. You've been created in the image of God. The image of God is not something that, an image that you'll take on later. It's, you've been created in that image now. And so regardless of of how tall you are, how old you are. You've been created in the image of God. And so have your parents. When I was a teenager, I didn't really get this. I didn't understand that, that I'd been created in the image of God, and I certainly didn't understand that my dad was created in the image of God. I remember for a long time that I placed some undue expectations on him, thinking that he was somebody who he was not. And I was looking for, for certain things from him that he could not give me. And so as a result, I did not honor or obey him as often as I should have. Because I didn't see him as one who was created in the image of God, who was worthy of service and worthy of honor and had value regardless of his ability to love and care for me. So what happens if, if we don't understand this? Okay, well, we just kind of continue that, that crazy cycle that, that I was talking about earlier where you're just kind of battling back and forth. And so for me, what it, what it took was I, I just had to tell my dad that I loved him. Remember, I told that story last week where, you know, I was talking with my mentor and he says, hey, if, if you want to have a healthy relationship with anybody in the future, especially with your wife, you will start by repairing the relationship with your dad. And at the time, it was just like, I don't, I mean, I hadn't met Megan. Megan and I wouldn't meet for 10 more years. So I'm like, well, I'd like to have a healthy relationship with her. So if it's a hoop that I have to jump through to repair it, just get this thing done with my dad, I'll do that. I'll start. I know that it's important. It's a discipline, just like exercise. I didn't really like it at first, but I knew it was good for me. So I did it. And then the Lord continued to change my heart in that time and in, with that obedience and began to repair that relationship with my dad so that I could actually honor him as well as obey Him. Because when we put our personal agenda over people, it falls apart every time. But when we begin to put people ahead of our own personal agendas, the world suddenly starts to take notice. And we show that resurrection power is within us. And we show the world what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God what it looks like to be followers of Jesus. And all of a sudden it becomes really compelling and really winsome and you get people that start going, 
man, who are these kids? They march to the beat of a different drum. This is really special. We read that you know, Socrates makes these identifications. It's really easy for the world to kind of look on and, and, and notice the bad things, right? It's really easy for, you know, and if, if you know, kids, right? Like, I mean, do you hear a lot of great stories about just how awesome kids are? Like, do you turn on the news and just see stories about that? Not often. It's really easy to find the story about the kid that did the wrong thing. I remember I was in, uh, I was in a, this choir uh, when I was in, in junior high, and we got to collect all these kids from all over the state, and we went and we gave this concert, and there was like 150 of us that had come together, rehearsed like crazy for two days, and then gave this, this concert before these people. And before we went up, the conductor got up on stage, and he said, hey, this story will not make the news. All around the state today, you're going to hear stories about kids that are doing silly things, and, and they're going to bad dog kids. He's like, these kids took time out of their lives to come together to sing this concert and to give this concert to you and, and nobody's going to report on it. But you know what happened was those people out in the audience started to think, wait a minute, kids aren't all bad. Kids are actually pretty awesome. They also have intrinsic worth and value and are worthy of honor and service. You maybe heard me talk about uh, my time helping out with the high school mountain bike team. I'm blown away by those kids. Not just their athletic ability, but so many of them just come out and they just try it. They just give it a shot. And to see the kindness and the way they work together, we as coaches always get together and we just talk and we're like, man, like, did you see that kid? That, that cool thing that he did? How kind he was to his teammate? And so kids, when you do kind things, the world takes notice. And I don't say that to pressure you, but to say that you probably have a greater position and, 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 and hold the eye of those around you far more than you realize. And so you get to display what, what Paul says, the manifold wisdom, the great wisdom of the Lord. And then he says, yeah, I'm going to use anybody and everybody. Anybody who walks in obedience and will honor me, I'm going to use them. And so when at the, the last time that Jesus is together with his disciples after the resurrection, he says, go out and make disciples of all the nations. There's little kids there too. And so when we say that, that you get to join in with this, this isn't something that you necessarily have to wait for until you're 18 or 25 or 35. Jesus calls you to do this now. You get to be a part of, of what Jesus is doing in and through you and us, this church. So when we talk about growing in faith and gathering in groups, using our gifts, that's not just for the adults. You get to do that too. Because you have that honor. You're worthy of service. And I know that sometimes we won't be thinking, well, man, that's really easy, but like, what if my family is a hot mess? Right? Because not every parent, like, any parent here nailed it yet? Any parent here got it all figured out? Right? No, none of us do. Let's, all, let's get that on the table right now. None of us have nailed it as parents. We've all dropped the ball. Okay? And some of us have dropped it really far, really hard. 
And some of us have grown up in those, those situations that are, that are a bit of a mess. And so some of us are going, man, I, I don't know. Like, now what am I supposed to do, Mike? Like, what if you grew up in that, that story that I read earlier? Like, what if, what if that's your childhood? What are you supposed to do then? Do you get a pass? No. We're always called to honor and to obey. But, as N.T. Wright says, just because the garden is bad doesn't mean you pave it over. Okay? Just because the garden is bad doesn't mean you pave it over. Just because you came from a mess doesn't mean that we're going we're to toss it all out, right? You honor. You obey. We also seek guidance. And you seek help. If you've been abused or you're being abused, tell an adult. Tell me I'm a mandated reporter. I have to talk about it. I have to get it. I have to get you help. That's my job. I get paid to do that. In church, this is also the part where we get to come alongside those, right? If you're going, gosh, I've been blessed. I've been, I have a great family life. And use that knowledge and that wisdom to help those around you that are having a difficult time figuring it out. I remember when I was having a pretty tough time with, with my folks and, and I, I'm, reading, I'm reading Ephesians 1 through 3. I'm going, gosh, I want to do this. I want to obey. I want to, I want to follow the Lord well, but this honor and obey thing is really tripping me up. I'm having a tough time. I remember one of my, one of, uh, an adult friend of mine, a coworker of mine came up and, and she said, Mike, it's only two more years. It's two more years until you graduate. You can, you know, get a little bit of space, get out of the house. Like, it's only two more years. And I remember thinking, like, okay. All of a sudden there was a goal. And I had someone with me. And so when things were just going nuts, she and I would talk about this, and she's like, yeah, that's crazy. Two more years. But I wasn't alone. And it's someone that shared that burden. And, 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 and she loved my parents. And she loved me. And so she didn't bad dog my parents and she didn't tell me I was an idiot. She said, yeah, that's unfair. Let's, let's, let's walk with that. And so church, we get the opportunity as a children of God to display what it looks like to live in a kingdom family. And so we get to come alongside those that are, that are broken and that are hurting, and we get to show them what that, what that looks like. And so, to go back to that, that story I told at the beginning, you know, when, when does it end? When does that cycle stop? If you want to read more about that story, you can find it. Um, just start in Ephesians, and then just keep flipping to the left a ways until you get to 2 Samuel, and just read chapters 3 through 18. It's a story of, of um, Amnon and, and Tamar and Absalom and Joab, and David. And that's the family that Jesus comes from. And so the good news, when does it end? It ends at the cross. And it ends because all of a sudden, now we have the choice and the, and the opportunity to make that stop. becomes less about status and more about the kingdom of God. I remember a, a friend of mine was, was telling a story about, about a, a, a youth that he was a youth pastor, and one of his kids called him. He got out of the sermon. He's like, hey, um, I just called my mom. We haven't talked to each other in like 10 years. 
He's like, oh, how was that? He's like, oh, it was the same old. She didn't ask anything about me, just talked about herself the whole time. Yeah, I just sat and listened for about an hour. And he's like, okay, well, how, how does that strike you? She's like, I see the way the Lord is working in me. He's like, what do you mean? She's like, 10 years ago, that would have totally wrecked me. She's like, but now I know that I have the opportunity to continue to honor my mom and, and see value in her, not because of how she treated me, but because she's a lost and broken child of God as well. She's worthy of service, worthy of honor, and desperately in need of grace. And now I get to be a carrier of mercy to my mom. And that's how the cycle ends. And so we must remember that God is not out to steal our joy, but to have us become who He's made us to be. And so we have to also remember that regardless of our age, what does Paul remind us of in chapter 1? That we've been adopted. That He is our Father. And that we are His children. And so regardless of how old you are, if you are listening to my voice, you are, God is working in your life. And if you're a child of God, you've been called to honor and to obey. And so kids, if you're, if you're living at home, what, is, what does this look like to honor and to obey your parents? What makes it tough to do? And do you see them as the image of God? And do you see yourself as made in the image of God? Do you see the advantage in honoring and obeying them? Parents, what does it look like to parent knowing that you've been created in the image of God? That you are a child of God? And communitas, what does it look like for us to be children of God, to honor and to obey and to uphold dignity and to acknowledge that all are worthy of, of honor and of service? And whether to the non-believer, to the person who's been a Christian for longer than any of us have been alive, to remember that we're desperately in need of grace and that we're to carry mercy. And so what does it look like when, when we begin to do that? How might the world begin to take notice and start to ask questions? We go, gosh, like, really? Like, you know, kids, you, you actually honor and obey your mom and dad. Can you imagine that conversation on the bus or in the locker room or in the halls? Imagine how different it would be. I actually, I think about my own story. How different would it be if I was, yeah, you know, when I was in junior high. I can say I love my dad now. I hesitated when I was in high school. But how different would it have been had I been able to say that at that point in time? And how different would it be now? And how different does it show the way that we are and the way that we love when we're able to honor and obey our mom and dad? And so when we hear God's voice, we remember, we remind, and we rejoice. And so let's remember that we've been called to honor and to obey our moms and dads. And let's remind one another that, that it's better in the long run. 
and that life to the full is offered to those who do. And let's rejoice that Jesus did it first and is with us now. Uh, one point of clarification. Kids, if you're your parents and just in general if, if someone's telling you to do something that's against the law governments or gods don't obey them honor them but don't obey them and then find an adult and they'll help you with that kids may you know that you have been created in the image of God that you are worthy of service and honor. May we as children of God learn what it is to obey and to honor. To bring our kids up in such a way that they would honor and obey. That it would go well for us that we would display the glory and the grandeur of who God is to the world around us knowing that difficult as that road is Jesus, too, walked that road and continues to walk it with us. We know that the wounds that have been given to us by those around us, perhaps by our parents, are healed by the balm of Christ and the grace of God. Join us in the back for some caffeine and beverages, simple carbohydrates. Have a great week. Go in peace.